Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christ Church of Orinoco. Our hope is that it would help you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. I'm a little embarrassed, and so high school students, now I know what it feels like to watch yourself on video walk up here. Um, but Drake's not here tonight, but I know he's going to listen to this later. So thanks, Drake. Have fun in Kentucky. Thank you. Uh, anyways, uh, my name is Peyton. I will preface this. I have some weird seasonal allergy things going on. So if I like have to cover this and cough, I apologize. But we're all human, so that may just have to happen. Um, anyways, glad you guys are here. Glad to be with you tonight. We're talking about Welcome Jesus So I want to tell you about a couple of my friends. You probably know them. Maggie Shade, Natalie Gleason, and Sherry Everett. You guys know them. Okay, they have really, really cute kids, if you guys don't know. Um, Paxton, Olivia, and Gracelyn. And they're going to put a picture up here, I think. Look, aw, cute Instagram hearts. (laughs) Um, So one night I was watching these three hooligans while their families were at a function. And we had been playing with some different toys, and then finally they were like, hey, let's play hide and seek. And I was like, great, because we had kind of put all the blocks and stuff away. So I was like, this is going to be a clean game. I don't have to clean anything up after they go to bed. So we start playing hide and seek. However, I think their parents taught them a totally different version than I was taught. Because what happened was, I was the first person to hide, so I went and hid somewhere, and then they were walking around the house, like, holding hands all together, just going, Peyton, Peyton, and like, looking in ridiculous places, like the fireplace, I was like, (laughs) and then they, they like, started getting mad, they were like, okay, what, and so they finally, I come out, I'm like, here I am, they're like, yay, and Olivia, Olivia, grabs my hand, she said, listen, Peyton, (laughs) I was like, this is going to be good. I want you to hide here, point somewhere very specific, and then we'll come and find you. And I was like, that doesn't make sense. Like, you're going to know where I am. I'm not hiding. You're just telling me to go hide somewhere, and you're going to find me. Um, But you do what you can to appease a kid, so that's what I did. And so we played hide-and-seek like that for an hour. And then when it was their turn to hide, they all just went to uh, the guest room bed and started jumping up and down yelling, we're in here, we're in here. So it was a good game of hide-and-seek. Not. In technicality, worst game of hide-and-seek ever, right? Going by the book, worst game ever. And I think that's a little bit of our story tonight, too. So last week, Elijah and Wyatt did a great job, and they introduced um, Jesus and this guy named Zacchaeus. And tonight, I think that's a little bit of our story. A bad game of hide-and-seek, okay, with Jesus and Zacchaeus. So our story is in Luke 19, And you know that Jesus goes to the city called Jericho, and this is where Zacchaeus lives. And you also know that Zacchaeus is a tax collector and a wealthy man. You know all of these things. And Jesus gets to the city, and he, like this crowd comes up, right? Because everyone wants to see Jesus when he comes to town. Well, Zacchaeus included. Um, And if you know the story of Jesus' life and his timeline, you know that he's going through Jericho on his way to Jerusalem, and he's on mission to go and die. And so you might be thinking, why does he even stop in Jericho if he's, like, going to Jerusalem to do, like, the coolest and biggest thing that's ever happened in the creation of human history, to die on a cross for everyone? Why does he even stop in Jericho? Isn't that, like, diverting from his mission? 
No, no, it's not. See, I think that Jesus stopped in Jericho and met with Zacchaeus and did that on purpose following his mission to seek and save the lost. Okay? So we're going to be in Luke 19. I'm going to read all 10 verses, 1 through 10. If you have a little device, you can go ahead and get it out. If not, it'll be on the screen. You can listen. Okay? Luke 19, 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was very wealthy. He wanted to see Jesus, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. And since Jesus was coming that way, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Now if you're familiar with the gospel according to Luke, you'll know that he often talks about Jesus' interactions with these groups of people that other people didn't hang out with. So these are people like the lost, the sinners, the prostitutes, the lame, the blind, um, the beggars, the people that everyone was kind of like pushing out, right? The outsiders, outcasts, all of these. And I think Luke does this for a specific reason, and he wants to highlight this sort of upside-down way of of the kingdom of God as opposed to the kingdom of the world, right? So he tells all these stories. He makes sure to write them down to get them from people who were there. And he writes them down, and he's like, look who the Messiah decides to spend time with, the people that you would least expect, right? Because God's kingdom is upside down from the kingdom of the world. So it's absolutely should be no surprise that Luke accounts the time that Jesus meets Zacchaeus. So, bad game of hide-and-seek. I think it's a bad game of hide-and-seek for two reasons. The first reason is this. We read in the text that Zacchaeus was seeking to see Jesus, right? He goes not only to where everyone's gathering, but he goes and he runs ahead of the crowd so that he can get his prime position in the tree, and then he climbs the tree. It says he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. And these verbs, this running and climbing, are things that wealthy people in Zacchaeus' day, so wealthy people like him, would not do. No way. That's going to make you look like a fool, and no one's going to respect you anymore. But we know that Zacchaeus was fine with losing the little bit of dignity that he had left to see Jesus. Okay? So it's it's a bad game of hide-and-seek, not just because Zacchaeus is seeking, but because for the second reason, that Jesus is also seeking. In verse 10, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. It's his mission statement for why he's here on earth. So it's a bad game of hide and seek because one, Zacchaeus is seeking and Jesus is seeking. So no one's even hiding. They're both seeking. So not a real game of hide and seek, right? So then he, he's in the tree. And he's like, you know, I loved Elijah. Is he in here? Elijah was like, how weird would it be to just see someone standing in a tree? But Zacchaeus is in the tree. 
And he's like, cool, I'm gonna be able to see Jesus. And then Jesus comes and it says he reaches this spot and then he looks up in the tree and to the surprise of Zacchaeus and probably everyone around him, he says, Zacchaeus, come down. I need to stay with you today. Like how shocking is it that he one, sees him and also knows his name and calls him to come and stay with him. This sinful man that was no friend to the Jews, no friend really to his bosses, the Romans, locks eyes with the Son of God and he says, I'm going to stay at your house. Pretty bizarre. So Zacchaeus takes Jesus and he's like, okay, let's go to your house. Second surprise of the evening. Hello. The crowd's like, this man first sees this weirdo in the tree who is a sinner. And then he says, hey, I'm going to come and stay at your house. This would be completely shocking. Why? Because Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. And you know that the crowd didn't like him because whether or not Zacchaeus actually took money off the top of the tax that he was getting, he was grouped into this um, stereotype of tax collectors that did that. So even if Zacchaeus didn't do that, which he's a chief tax collector, so he probably did, he's in this group, the crowd's like, I don't trust this guy. And you're going to go to his house? That's like totally shocking and surprising for the crowd. And that's why they say he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. And I don't know how they said that, but they're mumbling, so they're probably not saying it too loud because they don't want Jesus to hear. But Jesus says, I have to stay with you. And the word he uses for stay, okay, put your little uh, theologian glasses on. The Greek word, thank you, (laughs) that he uses for stay is actually the same Greek word in John 15, the text that we read before, that Jesus uses to his disciples when he says, remain in me as I remain in you. So this staying, um, a lot of scholars think it's not just for like the overnight. It's probably a couple of days. So Zacchaeus and this sinner, or no, Jesus and this sinner, are eating dinner, spending time together, sitting around the house with his whole family. It's shocking because the crowd thinks that Zacchaeus is the perfect sinner for Jesus to keep walking by and not pay any attention to. But Jesus thinks that Zacchaeus is the perfect sinner to stop and spend time with. And so Jesus says, Zacchaeus, I have to come to your house today. And in verse six, it says Zacchaeus, so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. So not only has Jesus said, hey, Zacchaeus, he knows the sinner's name. Uh, I'm going to come and stay at your house. He's staying with the sinner at his house. What? And Zacchaeus is like, okay, let's go. He welcomes him gladly. And I wonder if it's not because Zacchaeus was seeking to see Jesus and hoping, hoping that he would see him. So Zacchaeus goes to his house or Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' house. Those words are hard to say. Everyone say Zacchaeus and Jesus at the same time. Ready? One, two, three. Zacchaeus, Jesus. Zacchaeus, Jesus. Those are hard to say. Thank you. Thank you. So Jesus is going to go stay with Zacchaeus. And I don't want you to miss what happens at this moment, okay? So the crowd has already made their judgment about Jesus going to stay with this sinner. But this whole crowd that was going to see Jesus, hoping to be close to him, they were just standing there at the end of the day. Zacchaeus is the one that takes Jesus into his home. 
which in those days is basically like saying, you're my buddy, because being in someone's home, being hospitable, eating meals together, you all know this, that it was a big deal. So while the crowd stays put and was just maybe hoping to hear Jesus say something cool in their own city, Zacchaeus is the one that welcomes him into his home, thus welcoming him into his life. So this is a big move for Zacchaeus. And so I want you to remember, if you were here last week, Elijah and Wyatt talked about seeing Jesus. And that's like the number one thing that everyone talks about about this passage. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, and Jesus saw Zacchaeus. And that's true. And the reason that I love that we're talking about seeing him and then welcoming him is because I think that is how it happens with Jesus. When you see Jesus for who he is, you see him clearly, you begin to see yourself clearly too. And when you're able to see yourself clearly, I don't know about you, but I see myself and I'm like, man, I need that guy. I need Jesus in my life. So when you see him clearly, you see yourself clearly and you want to welcome him. And so tonight what I want you to remember is that I believe people who welcome Jesus will worship Jesus. People who welcome Jesus will worship Jesus. Now, I don't, I don't see any of you in here with physical Bibles. I'm a little upset because there's something that happens when you have a physical Bible. Anybody got one in here? Surprise me. Yes, Chelsea Jones. Okay. Alexia, thank you. Okay, if you have your Bible open to John chapter, or Luke, John chapter, why am I saying it? Luke chapter 19. Thank you. You'll see... Chapter 18, right next to it, if that's how your Bible's laid out. And this is the beauty, I'm going to challenge you, this is the beauty of using your physical Bible. Because like on here, you can't see anything besides what you're looking at in your couple of verses. But I want to draw some specific connections. They're all mumbling, hopefully good things, not like the crowd. I want to draw some connections, okay? Zacchaeus welcomes Jesus into his home, into his life. And we see the rest change. He says, okay, I'm giving all my money to the poor. If I've, if I've stolen anything from anyone, I'm giving it back four times the amount. We see Zacchaeus' life change. And I don't think they've even made it home yet. But the fact that he was near Jesus and saying, yes, come, come to my house. Come and stay with me. Let me sit and just listen to you. His life already began to change. And here's the cool connections in 18 and 19. Because I think that when you welcome Jesus, you'll worship him and your whole life changes because Jesus is at the center. So here's what happens. In 18, there is this man, okay? You should see it if you have your Bibles open. There's this man who's blind and he wants to receive his sight. And Jesus does that. He heals him of his blindness, And in chapter 19, Zacchaeus, he just so badly wants to see Jesus that he loses his dignity, runs ahead, climbs in a tree, and just hopes that he's even going to get a glance of Jesus and hear what he's talking about. In chapter 18, there is a, a, a time where Jesus is surrounded by another crowd of people, and they're talking about the people that get to go into heaven and what heaven is like, and, the, and Jesus says, let the little kids come to me. Childlike faith is what I want from you. And, you know, Zacchaeus, this little guy who's old, but he's little, he climbs a tree. What adult in here do you know that's climbing trees on the daily, okay? 
So Zacchaeus almost uses this, <laughs> Steve, Zacchaeus almost uses this like childlike thing of, I'm just going to get as high as I can to see this guy. It's so exciting. In 18, Jesus talks about the story of a tax collector and a Pharisee who are praying, okay? And this Pharisee's like, God, I thank you that I'm not like that tax collector, okay? So this Pharisee's like all kinds of confused. He doesn't see Jesus clearly because he doesn't see himself clearly. And the tax collector that's praying, he's beating his chest and he says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus tells the crowd, not expecting this outcome, but he says, it was the tax collector that went home justified, not the Pharisee, who didn't think that they had a need for God. And in this story, in chapter 19, Zacchaeus, the tax collector, welcomes Jesus into his home, welcomes him into his life. And because of that, Jesus says that his whole house is saved. Salvation comes to the whole house. And in chapter 18, Jesus has this interaction with this rich young ruler. And he says, how can I inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, because he says, I've done all these things. And Jesus doesn't even disagree. But he says, sell your possessions. And that guy's like, ooh, I don't know if I can let you into that part of my life, Jesus. And he walks away sad because he was wealthy. And Zacchaeus, this wealthy tax collector, says, yes, I'm going to welcome you, Jesus. And here, here's all my money. Here's all my possessions. I give them to the poor. His life is immediately changed when he sees Jesus and welcomes him and gets to have face-to-face communication with him. See, people who welcome Jesus will worship Jesus because when you welcome Jesus into your life, your whole life becomes worship. Worship isn't just when we're up here singing, though it is that too. But worshiping with your whole life is giving everything to Jesus because you know that left to your own devices, maybe you can do some good things, maybe if you're lucky. But Jesus, when he has every inch of your life, You have life that is full, life that is full of hope and joy. It's not easy, always, no way. But when you let Jesus into your whole life, you are allowing your whole life to be used for worship for him, and it changes. So here's the question to answer tonight. What areas of your life do you need to welcome Jesus into? For Zacchaeus, it was his job. started off with his job and all of his possessions, And he says, here, I want to use them for good. I want to give them to the poor. What areas of your life do you need to welcome Jesus into? If you're like me, when I was in high school, you're probably thinking, all of them, I win. Yeah, that's a good good answer. Not a bad response. All areas of your life. Maybe it's your sports or your extracurriculars. If you're in band or show choir Or maybe it's just your grades. If you really care about how you succeed academically, yes, those are good areas to welcome Jesus into. Maybe it's your home life and your relationship with your parents or your siblings. That's mine. I'm right there with you. Maybe it's your dating relationships. Couples. Yes, please welcome Jesus into those. Or maybe it's Those moments in life that, one, there's the lie that you're alone or that you're going to be alone forever or you feel physically alone. And it's those moments where temptation seems to be your best friend. And so 
It doesn't matter if you do this or that with someone or you put this in your body. Please welcome Jesus into those moments because he'll meet you there. And he's already there waiting for you to, to look at him. Whatever it is. I want to do something that Mark Christian does at the ends of his sermons on Sundays. He always says, I want to give you something to answer this question of, what do I do with this teaching? If I believe this teaching is true, what am I going to do with it? So I'm going to give you something to do, something to become, and something to believe. Okay? Head, heart, and hands. Head. Something to think. I want you to spend time in scripture and see who God is, what Jesus has done, and how the Holy Spirit is revealing them to you and how he's speaking to you. And if you don't even know where to begin reading the Bible, I get it because there's like a ton of places to start. But we've been in two different chapters in Luke this semester. So I would encourage you to start there. You already know some of it. So expert already. Just start reading. Okay? Scripture is our best way to see who God is, to see who we are. And if so, if we want to see God clearly, if we want to see Jesus clearly, see ourselves clearly, start in Scripture. Something to become, your heart. Realize that the truth of Scripture is for you. That Jesus does know your name and that he does want to be welcomed into your life. Kelsey read John 15 at the very end where Jesus is talking to his disciples. It's some of the last things that he says. And he says, I'm, I don't call you servants anymore because servants don't, don't know what their master's up to. But you know my business, so I've called you friends. Is that not bizarre to think that as your friends sit here next to you, that is what Jesus calls you? I think sometimes it's really easy to say, God loves me. I know John 3.16, God loves me. But he actually likes you so much, okay? There's a difference between like and love, right? Yeah. And God likes you so much, and he loves you too. For your hands, what I want you to do is to simply position yourself in the path of Jesus, okay? Zacchaeus literally ran ahead of a crowd, climbed into a tree so that he could see him and interact with him. Position yourself in the path of Jesus. For some of you, that may mean continuing to come here on Wednesday nights. I sure hope that you encounter Jesus when you're here with your friends. For others of you, it might mean committing to a discipleship group, committing to a group of people that are pursuing to put themselves in the path of Jesus so that they can know him more. If that's you, there's cards on the tables as you leave tonight that you can grab to figure out how to sign up for a D group. And for others of you still, it may mean to not keep sitting in here on Wednesday nights only and going to D group, but it may mean to actually get involved in serving in the church. Putting yourself in the path of service to see Jesus in a bigger way. And you can do that here at Christ Church. So there's also cards back there that you can fill out to serve somewhere. Because I believe, I believe that people who desire to see Jesus will see Jesus. And people who welcome him, worship him with their whole lives. So how are you going to respond? How are you going to respond to welcoming him in your life? Let's pray. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for fun stories of your son meeting short people. Uh, 
Um, and thank you for the details of scripture and the creativity that um, the gospel writers use in writing about you. We're grateful to have your word. Holy Spirit, I pray that as we are together in community, as we read scripture, as we serve, as we ask questions, that you would keep pointing us to Jesus, that you would show him to us clearly. We love you and we're grateful um, to be called your friends. It's your name that I pray. Amen. Thanks again for checking out this podcast. We hope this teaching helped you to discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. For more resources or to learn about Christ Church in general, visit us online at cco.church.